love that line about you are my testimony. I reckon what a great line that our life with God can be our story, our testimony. And then I was distracted because Abigail's eating chicken crimpies and they smelt so good. And I thought, oh, I could go some chicken crimpies. That'd be a good breakfast. As, uh, as Kevin and Nick mentioned, today is the, the fifth and final message in this series, Follow to Lead. And um, as I was preparing it this week, I, had, I found an unusual response happening um, within me as I'm, as I'm putting this together. And, and I've tried to name what that is, and I think it's this. I wish I knew what I'm about to say 20 years ago. Um, I, I wish someone had told me this when I was kicking off my journey with God. Are you going to share one with me? That's, thank you. Thank you. That is the best. Can you hear the crunching? It's really dry. <laughs> that was a bad mistake. For all those tuning in at home, sorry. Mmm, that's good. Thank you. But I wish I knew this 20 years ago because I think my life would have looked different. I think my life would have taken a different path in the way that I engage in my vocation, in my family, in my personal walk with Jesus. Um, I wish I'd known this earlier. But here we sit. So if you've been with us over the last four weeks, we have journeyed through what it means to follow Jesus personally, and then through following him, we can lead ourselves well, we can lead those in our family, and that was both our biological and, and spiritual family. We can lead in the place we find ourselves day after day, whether that's vocation, work, study, school, retirement, whatever that looks like, and then I want to present today what it looks like to lead others in God's mission in this world. The mission of God. It's a mission to make him known. It's a mission to bring love and hope and peace and joy into those spheres of influence that we find ourselves in. It's a mission to restore people back into relationship with God and one another. By following Jesus together as part of his church, we're actually empowered to equip and serve in his mission for the sake of others. And that, in essence, is what the Christian life is about. Actually, there's no greater purpose in life than to partner with God in his mission in this world. And I hope that this morning you get a sense of that and it shapes you as we go forward. Now, the idea of a mission is not foreign to us. You know, there's most novels we read, most movies we watch are based around some sort of mission. Like, I think there's something in the human psyche, in the human DNA that, that responds to being on mission. And, you know, here's just a few images of movies that you might recognise where this would be really true that we, we get engaged with what these people are doing and, and the mission that they're on and we're cheering them on and we're, 
we're cheering at the end when they actually achieve their mission. I wonder how many of those you can actually identify. And I love the, the mission impossible, because even in the title it feels like this is never going to work, but we know it does. So there's something I think in us as humans that are just keyed into wanting to be part of a mission. I think of the, the gaming industry, the, the generation that's come through who sits with a controller in front of a screen and feels like they're, feel like they're accomplishing something. And most of those games are about some sort of mission, some sort of assignment. You've got to go through and battle the baddies and win the prize at the end, whether it's Mario trying to get Princess Peach at the end in the castle or whether it's, you know, you, you've killed all the baddies, so, so you, you go and you know, save the world. But these things exist in our culture because I think we resonate with them. So the mission of God is to bring healing and restoration and renewal into all of creation. That's God's mission. And part of that mission is people-focused. A big part of that mission is people-focused, and that's that redeeming and reconciling people back into relationship with God himself and with one another. And so we could even say the Bible as a whole, the story that runs right through the Bible, is the story of God's mission. It's God's mission in the world. And it identifies our place in that, which is really cool. Last week, if you were listening to Jeff's message, he mentioned that we have the ministry of reconciliation as believers. And so here's the passage that, that talks about that. So this is Paul talking to the Corinthians. And he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world back to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Man, if this doesn't paint a, a, a true picture of God, I don't know what does. Many people have an image of God that God is this big, mean judge who just wants to punish us. That's not the picture of God we get in Scripture. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. So God's given that to us to do. So we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. Have you ever stopped to think when you wake up in the morning that today God is wanting to use me, is wanting to use you to show people what God is truly like? and to lead people back into a relationship with him. That's what he wants to do. That's his mission. Now, I reckon most Christians, and I can say that because I talk to Christians a lot of the time and because I know what I'm like, most Christians do not wake up thinking, God's got something for me to do today. If anything, we wake up thinking, there's something I want to do today. What do I want to do today? And then I'll pray that God will bless that and I hope that you know, he comes through for me. And on those occasions when it doesn't turn out the way I'm expecting, I start going, well, what's going on with this? Where was God in that? Where was God when it went wrong? 
But I don't think we can ask that question if our focus daily is, I'm actually about God's mission in the world, not about my agenda. Now, the reward for serving God, because I think often we, we feel like we need to be rewarded for what we do when it comes to our Christian walk. You know, God, I go to church every week, I give generously, I serve, and then this thing happened in my world. How could you let that happen? Because the narrative behind all that, the core belief is, if I do this, this and this, God has to reward me. It's not how it works. In fact, the reward of serving God is the reward of serving God. Imagine if, imagine if the Prime Minister of the country comes and says, I need to speak to you, I've got a special mission just for you. I'm going to give you this responsibility, it's really important and I'm trusting you to do it. Now that's just a leader of a country. What if the God of the universe says to you, I've got something for you to do. I've got plans for you and how you live your life. If you get these priorities right and you put me first and my agenda and my mission first, you will find that life will look beyond anything you could ever dream of. Because if you make life about yourself and your own needs, it just diminishes life. It shrinks it. God has something for us to do. What an honour. That the God of the universe looks at you and I and says, I've got plans for you. I want you to be part of the thing that I'm doing in this world. I want to use you. Paul is a great example of this in Scripture. In the book of Acts, we see the the early church being birthed and starting to spread out from Jerusalem. And we see Paul, a key key player in this. Look at what he says here in, in Acts 20. He says, and now, here we go, and now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. Wow. So I know that I'm going to go to this place on God's mission. I know it's going to be hard. So I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now you may be tempted when you're sitting there to go, yeah, but that's Paul. He's this legend of the faith. He had Jesus actually appear to him and call him personally. That's not an excuse for us. We have received an invitation personally to be part of God's mission. And so the Christian life is a call, an invitation to give your life to being part of God's mission in the world. When you break it down, I don't think there's a greater calling you could possibly imagine. So here's a calling. 
Here's a calling to help a multi-millionaire grow their business and make them more money. And you can give your life to doing that. Wow, compared to being part of God's mission. Here's a calling, here's a calling. You get <coughs> oh. <coughs> wow, thank you. <coughs> I'll get rid of that. Oh, that was a, such a good idea. Here's a calling. You get married and you have a bunch of kids and you just give all your focus to raising these kids. That is an awesome thing. But compared to being part of God's mission, where instead of looking here that this is what my world's about, you look here. Yeah, this is part of God's mission that he's invited me into. In fact, uh, an author who speaks a fair bit about this, John Mark Comer, I just love this simple definition. Mission is participation in the life of God. Life, your life, my life, from this point on, doesn't matter what's happened leading up to this morning, from this point on, we can just align ourselves to go, my life can be about, and I'm invited into it being part of God's mission. Jesus spoke about this whole dynamic, and we've heard this before over the last couple of weeks. Where he says, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. So if it's all about you and what you want, ultimately you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. And that's in Matthew 10. And then a few chapters later, he says it again. Then Jesus says to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. We've heard that before, but in the context of giving up your life to put God's mission first and foremost, Jesus says very clearly that when you do that, you'll actually discover what life's really about. It will be a rich and satisfying and fulfilling life. And it might bring some situations and some risks and some experiences that you would never imagine if you want to play it safe. But boy, who's ever lived a rich and satisfying life by playing it safe? So Paul had this sense to go, I'm just going to give my life to the mission of God. And then we read in his letter to Timothy, second letter to Timothy, which most um, scholars would say is the last writing that Paul did. And he says this, he says, as for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God and the time of my death is near. And I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And there's Paul echoing what Jesus had just said, that if you give your life away for me, you will actually be rewarded. You'll truly find what life is about. And Paul's saying here, and, and, and that's, that, that's that crown of righteousness. That's that reward for eternity with Jesus that Jesus will give me because I've actually given my life to him here on earth. 
Now, too often we don't have an eternal perspective. Too often we just look with what's right in front of us and we concern ourselves with the daily and the mundane and our own needs all the time. The Christian life is to say, look up, look out. See what God's doing in the world and he invites you to be part of it. So Jesus echoed this same sort of sentiment. This, just like Paul expresses, you know, I've finished the race, I've fought the good fight. Jesus expresses this as well. And I want to spend the rest of the message just sitting in a prayer that Jesus prayed. You'll find it in John chapter 17. It's a prayer that Jesus prayed. And I just want to start at the beginning here. Look at this. After saying these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. So there's, there's a line straight away. Why do we do anything in terms of stepping into God's mission? So God the Father can be glorified. It's not about us. It's about pointing people to him. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life. To know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. And Jesus prays to his Father, I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. So if we're going to be followers of Jesus, if we're going to learn to live life in relationship to God and others like Jesus did, then we've got to understand that just like Jesus, God the Father gave him things to do. And his purpose, his mission in life was to do those things. We too can step into that mind frame of what life is about. In another translation, in, in the message, that last sentence there that you see in bold says, I glorified you on earth by completing down to the last detail what you assigned me to do. Then there's echoes of Jesus that we often see at Easter time when he's on the cross and what are those three words that he says? It is finished. He had completed the work his father gave him to do. And so this prayer continues on. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. I have revealed to you the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you, for I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you and they believe you sent me. Now that's key. They believe, the disciples believe that Jesus was sent from the Father. And so when we talk about mission, we often have this idea, particularly in church life, of missionaries. And our picture of missionaries is that they are sent to some quite often far off place to go and do God's work. And all us who are not sent stay behind and do our own work is essentially what happens. We can think often in the church that God's work is somewhere else. No, God's at work in the world redeeming all of mankind back to himself. 
That's the people you see day after day after day. The people you live next to, the people you commute with. God is a missionary God. And as we read his story of his mission through the Bible, we see that God sends people. We see him send Abraham. We see him send the nation of Israel. We see him send Jesus into the world. And so we see this pattern start to emerge that the Father sends the Son, Jesus. Jesus sends the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit empowers and enters into believers and sends the church. And it's this just flow on of being sent on mission. And we find ourselves in that part of the story. That we are the part of the story where the church is active in the world, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and we are sent to go and share that with those around us. So his prayer continues. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. I'm praying not only for these disciples, but for all who will ever believe in me through their message. That's you and I. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. In another translation, make them holy, consecrated with the truth. Your word is consecrating truth. Listen to this. In the same way that you gave me a mission in the world, I give them a mission in the world. I'm consecrating myself for their sake so they'll be truth consecrated in their mission. Truth consecrated in their mission basically means that we have an understanding of who Jesus is, of the story of Scripture, of the story of the Bible, of God's story, and we understand our place in it. That we have been called, we have been set apart, we have been empowered, we have been invited in to the kind of life that God says, this is the best life available to you. Now, if you go back to earlier in the year, we did this series called The Good Life that we started at Easter and we, we went for a few weeks after Easter. I encourage you to go back and listen to that. It's the kind of life we're talking about that results from being in God's mission. It's the kind of life that Jesus says, you know what, I know you because I created you and I know this is the best thing for you. It's the best thing for you. Now there's a really interesting point here. Did you see it? There's a really interesting point in this passage. The world believing in Jesus is linked to the unity that we have to be on God's mission. Don't miss that. The world believing in who Jesus is, is linked to the church being united in being on God's mission in the world. I 
I'm praying not only for them, but for those who will believe in me because of them and their witness about me. The goal is for all of them to become one heart and mind, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, so that they may be one heart and mind with us. Then the world might believe that you, in fact, sent me. Triune God, Father, Son, Spirit, three persons in one. Hard to understand. There are people who spend their life trying to think about that, write about that, explain that. It's hard to get, but that's the picture we see of the God we see in the Bible. Three in one. So there's a unity just within the relationship amongst themselves and their mission is to redeem all of humanity back to themselves, to redeem and restore all of creation, the ministry of reconciliation, the disciples making disciples. Remember Jeff said, no matter what you call it, it's the same thing. And so Jesus is saying in his prayer here, if the church, if those who say they're Christian, if those who who bear my name in the world would be unified in their pursuit of my mission in the world, then that is going to demonstrate to the world the reality of who Jesus is. There's something in that. I've been in too many churches in my life where they'll hold up the word and say, We've just got to tell them the word and make the word sink into them, then they'll believe. Then you've got church who go, we just need miracles. If we can just do signs and wonders, then people will believe. I mean, I, I read the scriptures and I read what Jesus says to the people who were so entrenched in scripture and they still missed who Jesus was. And I read how there were people who just wanted signs and wonders to happen and Jesus said, even if I do those for you, you still won't believe because your heart is hard. I'm not dismissing either of those things as valid. They're absolutely valid. But Jesus is saying here, the thing that is going to really show the reality of who Jesus is, is unity in the church and the unity around we're on mission together for God that my life is about God's mission. My life is not about me or building my career or growing my reputation or getting financially secure. That is not what my life is about. My life is about being on God's mission. So then he continues in his prayer and he says, the same glory you gave me, I gave them. So they'll be as unified and together as we are. I in them and you in me. And they'll be mature in this oneness and give the godless world evidence that you've sent me and loved them in the same way that you've loved me. Now to say to people who, who are far from God, God loves you, I don't think it means a whole lot. But to be a people who live in such a way that we demonstrate God's love, that speaks volumes. But unless we're unified in that together, 
the, church, the, the world is not going to see that the church is valid, that the church has a message of hope and love, that Jesus is real, that Jesus is worth following. The world just will not see that. So we've been invited into God's mission in his world. So whether we say I'm a follower of Jesus or I'm a believer or I'm a Christian or I'm in Christ or I'm part of the church, whatever language we want to use, it is language of mission. We are in and invited into God's mission. So what does that look like? I want to bring it back to you thinking personally now. What does it look like? What's the most important thing you need to be doing this week? Ask God, do you have something specific for me to be doing today, tomorrow, this week? God, show me what you're doing in your mission and let me jump into that. Maybe your prayer going forward tomorrow is, God, I'm mission ready. Use me. Show me. What do you want me to do? Who do you want me to connect with? How do you want me to respond? What do you want me to say? Imagine what it would be like if from this point on, our eyes, when we look at our kids and our neighbours and our parents and our extended family and our workmates and our sporting teams and anyone we come across, if we saw them the way God sees them, and understand that God wants to use you and I to connect with them in a way that brings them into relationship with him. Would that be something worth giving your life to? Or, because the, uh, the only alternative to that is to make your life all about you. What would it look like to understand that we're a minister of reconciliation in the world, that we're an ambassador for Jesus. How would that change your life? How would that change what you do tomorrow? And the beautiful thing with this is we can be on God's mission in whatever assignment he's given us. So as I look around this room, we can be in God's mission as we work in a business as we own a business, as we teach, as we build things, as we clean things, whatever we're called to do that Jeff unpacked last week, we can be in God's mission in those places. So I want to finish with this. And I started with that scripture that Paul wrote to the Corinthians around the ministry of reconciliation. And this is the last part of it. This is Paul speaking to the church. He says, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's co-workers in his mission, 
We urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says through the prophet Isaiah, God said, in the time of my favour I heard you and in the day of salvation I helped you. And I tell you now, Paul writes, now is the time of God's favour and now is the day of salvation. The invitation of Jesus to be part of his mission is, is that, it's an invitation. You don't have to tick any boxes and jump through any sort of hoops or reach any particular standard to be, to be able to step into that. It's an invitation. We know that invitation to, that Jesus used to the fishermen, follow me, he said. And we've been invited into that. So I want us to think about today, if you're here in this room, if you're at Tumby, if you're listening online, and you would say that you are a follower of Jesus, I want you to think about how this changes the way you live life. And if you're in this room or watching online or at Tumby and you have not yet decided to follow Jesus, can I implore with you, just as Paul does here, be reconciled to God. Accept the invitation to step into the kind of life that Jesus offers us and says, this is the best thing you would ever do. There may be some people who actually want to respond to that invitation. To say yes to Jesus, to say, I do want to follow you. I want to step into a kind of life where I can be part of something so much bigger than myself. And if that's you, can I encourage you to share that with someone, that, that yes, I, I want to do that. But I encourage you to pray with me now as well. Let's pray together. So Jesus, I thank you for the life that you offer us. Jesus, I thank you for the fact that we don't have to have it all together. We simply have to be willing to say, yes to you and in saying yes to you you don't leave us where you found us but you take us and you shape us and you mold us and you use us for your good purposes in the world god i pray would have the courage to step into that god i pray you would give us the conviction to see the world and to see our life the way you see it help us lift our eyes of our own situation, our own needs, our own desires and lift our eyes to say, God, you're doing something in this world and you want us to be part of it with you. So as your church, I pray we can be a people where you've placed us right here on the Central Coast to be a people who say yes to your mission, to be a people who say yes to being used by you in our world and to be a people who, who show others what you are truly like. And we pray that, as we mentioned right at the beginning, that the whole purpose of doing this is that, so that you would be honoured and glorified. God, that's our prayer. Would you walk with us as we take those courageous steps? Amen.